Bringing people together and tapping the collective intelligence is an unbeatable way to solve complex challenges. So says our guest today, Enrique Rubio, founder of Hacking HR, who shares his insights about why communities matter and how to build them. Hi, LabMates. Welcome to the Social Learning Lab, a podcast about social learning at work. This episode is all about community. So consider this your invitation to join us and learn how to build it so people not only come, but stay, connect, and collaborate. Hi, LabMates. Katie here with Nicole today from Your Instructional Designer. We're excited to welcome an expert at building community, Enrique Rubio, to the Social Learning Lab. Enrique is the founder of Hacking HR, a global community that unites professionals across the HR landscape and supports their development through learning, sharing, and collaboration. With Enrique leading the way, Hacking HR strives for a better world by, quote, creating the best HR ever. The community is brimming with resources and opportunities for making meaningful connections, so it's no surprise that Hacking HR has grown into the second largest organization for HR professionals and the number one most engaged community for HR professionals, surpassing even SHRM. In addition to his work with Hacking HR, Enrique is also a keynote speaker on the future of work, HR and tech, and digital transformation. Thanks so much for joining us, Enrique. Thank you, Katie and Nicole, for inviting me. I am excited about the conversation. Thank you. Of course, our pleasure. So to start us off, can you tell our listeners a bit about Hacking HR and the awesome work you do for this community? Yeah, absolutely. We we are a global learning community of HR leaders and practitioners, and we bring all these experts together from all over the world to learn, share, collaborate on all things that are happening at the intersection of future of work, the transformations that are happening in the workplace, innovation, technology, people, culture, strategy. So anybody that, that you know, pretty much everything falls into that intersection, right? So anybody in the HR space or outside of the HR space who is interested in that intersection is welcome to our community to participate in our learning programs, which generally take the form of events. We do about 200 events per year, all of all of them focused on this intersection. This year, we're launching our certificate programs to offer a strong alternative to what exists in the market. Again, all of them focused on everything that is happening at this intersection that I mentioned before. And we have our social, we put, we put a lot of content out through our social media channels, particularly LinkedIn, which is our main community channel. We have our own community platform where people can come and they can find mentors and, you know, learning a learning library and join our events and and whatnot. But yeah, ultimately what we do is bring the community together to make sure that we're providing the tools, the resources, the ideas, the insights, sort of everything that is actionable at at both a strategic and tactical level so that we can create a better HR that can create better organizations. So that's ultimately kind of our goal. Awesome. And we'd love to hear sort of the origin story of this community. So where did you get the idea to create Hacking HR? Yeah, well, I am, I've been in HR for a long time now, but I started my career as an electronic engineer and I worked for a long time in technology. Then because of the, uh, the intersection of multiple things happening in life, I ended up in HR which I truly enjoy and I enjoyed transitioning to HR and have enjoyed my career in HR. 
but there was a point in in my in my tenure in HR. I I had a corporate job. I was a full time employee, and I found myself bored. Not, not that doesn't mean that he had a lot of time available, but I, the things that I was doing, I was they were not getting me excited. You know, I mean, and this has happens to a lot of people, by the way. It's not that they are not busy. It's that you know, there's like like you're not energized by what you do. And then it gets a little bit harder to get out of bed. For example, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to do the same thing. And yes, I'm going to be very busy, but it's not exactly something that excites me, gets me in flow and something that helps me grow and where I can help other people grow. So I was in that place seven years ago where I found myself busy, but not doing exciting things. And I said to myself, well, you know, I have a couple of options here. Either I waste the time just dumb scrolling on social media or or just sitting here being busy, but not something that I really want to do. Or I can create something from scratch to have fun conversations, interesting conversations where people can learn and grow and develop. So I created this community to have conversations about the intersection only of technology and HR. That was the origin kind of place of this community. And then, of course, now we cover a lot more topics. But I wanted to help HR people connect the dots between the work they do, the impact the work they do has on business and people and how technology can help them do that. This was seven years ago. We had a few conversations. We were creating chapters all over the world. This was pre-pandemic, of course. And we had about 100 chapters all over the world. It was an amazing, thriving collective effort with you know hundreds of events around the world. The pandemic happened. We transitioned to doing everything virtually. And here we are, you know, four years after the pandemic, almost seven years after I created this community, having all these amazing conversations, all which all, all of these things started just from that epiphany of being bored but wanting to do something valuable for myself in the first place because I was bored, but also for the community. So that's the origin story of Hacking HR. And by the way, I had a, I was, before I created this thing, I was having a conversation with a friend. He's, he's a super brilliant guy. And we were having a conversation and I was telling him like, oh man, you know, I'm, I work in HR, but I'm so bored and I want to do something different. HR needs so much help and needs to change in a lot of different ways. And he told me like, well, in a way you're going to be kind of like hacking HR. And I was like, boom, that, that name sounds great. And that came out of that conversation that I had with him. And uh, that's, that's the name that our community has and has had oh, over the past wow. years. <laughs> that's really fun to hear where the name came from. Yeah. 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 I'm really thrilled that you were bored and have friends that have creative names because the space is so awesome. Yeah. Just saying from my own experiences with the community. Yeah. yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun space. And you know, so many people criticize HR, you know, it's like, oh, HR this, HR that. And I'm like, well, you know, go and spend one day in HR and then tell me about it. Right. In fact, you know, like as recent as, as a couple of days ago, uh, you know, I, on our social, on our community platform on, on LinkedIn, we post a lot of content. I'm talking about, you know, 50 to 100 pieces of content every week. And we post a couple of funny videos every week as well. So I posted something funny and somebody commented some, saying something like, um, I don't know, something demeaning about HR about HR when, when HR is in recruitment. And I said, well, you know, you're not, you're not seeing the entire, you know, everything that happens in the recruitment space. You think that you're not being contacted by HR, but what you, what you don't see is that HR has to deal with a hiring manager, 
uh, who more, more often than not is changing the job requirements, the candidates they like, the salary they want to offer. You are not seeing that organizations one day say, oh, let's expand our talent you know, uh, our talent in this company. And the next day they are like, oh, we need to cut down on costs. So we're not going to be hiring more people. And then you don't see the many other demands that are on HR. You only see HR because HR is the face that is talking to you, that you don't know all the things that are happening behind scenes that HR has to deal with in order to be able to have that conversation with you. You don't see, for example, that HR has to filter for every position. They have, they have to filter through, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of applicants, most of whom, have no skills for that job and still apply and yeah for them it is like oh let me apply to see if i get it but for hr it's like oh my gosh i have to spend all this extra time filtering this person who may not be the right person for this role so all of that makes the job of hr difficult and i'm just using the example of recruitment but i say this because at the end of the day hr is a fun community hr is a community of people that really want the best for for the people and for the business I have never found, and I know that there are HR people who have to do better in the job they do. And some people in HR, like it happens in every other field of expertise. They, because of their actions or inaction, they have damaged the reputation of our profession. That's not the majority. That's a handful of people. This is true also for salespeople. This is true also for IT people, for finance people and whatnot, right? But you know, H, when, whenever you ask anybody in HR, why are you here? Why are you doing this alone, under-resourced, understaffed, burned out, and you keep, you know, trudging along every day? Why are you doing this? And they tell you, because I love working for people. I love serving people. So, yeah, we're fun. We add value. We do the, not always do we do the right thing as in, you know, on doing something on time on do or doing it strategically, but that's kind of like the nature of our changing profession. Wow. Yeah. I'm hearing you bring a lot of empathy and also optimism and like sort of a vision to, you know, the profession and, and the development. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I believe in HR. I mean, otherwise I would be an electronic engineer still, you know, and not doing this. I believe in HR. I believe in the power of HR to become, I, I actually, you know, you can go back in time to, in our social community, in our social media, and you will find that for a long time, I have been talking about HR becoming a trailblazer. And what a trailblazer is, it's a person or a group of people that are marking the trail, blazing the trail forward so that others can follow and not get lost. So what we're doing, the role that I see HR having going forward is marking the trail that businesses, leaders, and people have to follow in order to not get lost as we try to remain relevant and valuable, profitable, sustainable in this new reality of work. And the reason why I know that HR can do that as opposed to many other functions is because we are sort of sitting at an intersection of two, two different currents, two different flows, right? the flow of people operations and the flow of business operations. And not everybody sits at that intersection. Not everybody has that vantage point that we have at that intersection. So as, as a nature professional, you know and understand how your business is operating and you know and understand how the talent can fit into that picture and provide value to the operation of that business. That's a unique place to be. And as unique as it is, it allows us to become trailblazers, leading everybody forward, knowing that talent and business operations are the two ways to, again, keep organizations sustainable, 
successful, profitable, so you know, in the long run. So I see HR as a trailblazer, and I truly believe in this, by the way. You know, so some days I don't totally believe in it. Some days is you know, like it's like a roller coaster, right? Some days it's like, oh my gosh, maybe I should change back to electronic engineer. But then I realized, no, you know, I love this. I I see the potential in HR. I believe in HR, and yes, you know, not everybody, not every day, or everybody has the same level of energy and optimism about this function that, you know, I do. So, so that's why I do what I do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I love that image of blazing the trail. And I kind of want to think about like for the community of hacking HR, where did that trail sort of begin? So like, how did your community from those first few members grow into the thriving space that it is today? Yeah. Well, it started as a conversation of technology and, and HR, as I mentioned before, and we were doing these chapter meetups everywhere in the world from, you know, from everywhere in the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Latin America was covered, you know, Europe, in, in Africa, in, in the Asia Pacific region. So we have, we had chapters everywhere and they were bring, they were bringing the community together to have great conversations with everybody. They were bringing amazing thought leaders to, to be part of the conversation and, that, that's the origin, right? That's, you know, people coming together, learning from each other. And when we had to transition from doing in-person events to doing virtual events, we wanted to make sure that we were, first of all, removing every possible barrier that would prevent anybody from joining these conversations. And the barriers generally are time zone. So if you, you know, if we, most of our events are in US-based time zone, but we make all of our content available for free forever for anybody in the community. So if you live in a time zone where it's 2 a.m. when we're doing an event here at 9 a.m., it's fine. I mean, it's not the same kind of feeling if you don't, if you're not live in there, but you still get access to that content, right? So we wanted to make sure that we removed that barrier. The second barrier is cost. You know, I mean, I look around at other communities in HR and I'm like, how can you, you know, we, we generally are one of the most under-resourced functions in any business. I don't know. How can you charge so much money for something that sometimes is not even high quality, by the way, something that's, you know, things that sometimes are pretty mediocre and they charge a lot of money. And I wanted that, that barrier to be removed. So all of our content, all of our events, all of that is access, you know, accessible to, for free to everybody in the community, no matter where they are in the world. The other thing is that I wanted them to have access to the best thought leaders, speakers, researchers in the world. And I pride myself with having created a community that attracts great quality, you know, world-class and A-list of speakers to do this for free, by the way, for the community. When sometimes, I, I got to tell you this, you know, like I, I put together an event, a summit, you know, and we bring, I don't know, 100 speakers. And out of those 100 speakers, maybe... And, and I do this event for free. So, you know, 10 or 20 of them, they go to do an event for other group and they are doing it for free in that other group as well. But that group is charging two, $3,000 for people to get access to that content. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. If, if these great speakers are giving me their time generously and, and kindly are giving their time to enlighten the community about what they know and their expertise. Why the heck am I going to charge $3,000 for something, for doing something like this, right? So we removed that barrier as well. We made it, we created a bridge that is very short between getting access to these speakers and what people are looking for. So that's, and, and then we, we, on our own, we create a lot of amazing content. So that's how we started with the chapters, but then we have progressively and, you know, very 
quickly grown to becoming, you know, sort of this center of expertise, bringing all these amazing leaders together. We are, by the way, about to launch. I know you will be posting this podcast on the beginning of February, but this year, finally, you know, one of my, you know, dreams of years that I, I have been wanting to do, but I didn't have the opportunity or the time to do it before, but we're going to do it this year is we're launching our Hacking HR certificate programs. And we're doing it with our new academic brand that is called the People and Culture Strategy Institute that is powered by HR. And we're going to do certificate programs. Eventually, we're going to do certifications. And of course, you know, from there on, you know, maybe a bachelor's degree or, or a master's degree. I don't know. But for now, we begin small. With, with We're going to begin with six certificate programs this year. And they will be very different from everything that is out there. And it's a test, you know, this year is going to be, we're going to be testing whether this, this philosophy works for us. And then next year we go all in, but you know, let's see how it goes, right? I mean, we just want to make sure that we give low cost access to the best thought leaders in the world in our community. Amazing. Yeah. So it boils down to, yeah, amazing content that's accessible to your members. Yeah. Yeah. And so can I, you know, that kind of, oh, sorry. One second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I went, well. I heard a lot of good things too, Katie, like the accessibility was coming in there. I think you got this great vision, this great why, but I'm, I'm going to ask you to go back a second, Enrique, because I feel like we went from zero to 60, like we got to these hundreds of amazing chapters, but I don't know for people who actually have these big, amazing ideas of how they can help. Like, how did you even get from zero? Just, I want to help people too. We have hundreds of chapters. Like what, what was the... Did you just go and do all the outreach? Like, I would, I would love to know how you even got to step one. Yeah. Well, step one, I did it myself. You know, I did it for Hacking HR, the very first event. You know, remember when I was saying before I was bored in my job, I wanted to do something. And I said, well, I have no idea. I don't know much. I don't know a lot of people. I don't know any venue where to do this, especially I don't know any venue where to do it for free. And I'm going to just, I'm just going to have to do my, you know, the research to find out how I can bring this idea forward. This was back at, by July or August of 2017. And I reached out to WeWork. I, I was living in Washington, D.C. by then. I reached out to, we, to WeWork in Crystal City, which is a city adjacent to D.C. And I asked them like, hey, you know, we want to do this. Can you give us space for a couple of hours in the evening of this day for free? And they are, they are like, not only are we going to give you the space for free, we're going to give you beer for free. And we're going to give you coffee for free. Come and do your thing. And I was like, whoa. And then I started <laughs> inviting speakers. So I invited you know, these super high level people, you know, like the chief learning officer from IBM, the chief learning officer from NASA, you know, all these awesome people. And they were like, oh yeah, I can do it. And, you know, like it's, it sounds fun. You know, it's like, it's like a happy hour evening where we happen to have to, to be talking about something cool, right? Something that we do. That event was the very first event ever that was in September. That's, that's when I count the beginning of Hacking HR. That was on September, the end of September of, and then I was like, wow, you know, it was like a hundred people in there. It went, it went really well. And then I was like, well, let me do it in New York to see what happens. And I followed the same kind of process and I went, I did it in New York, a lot of people in New York. And then some other folks started to find out that, that I was doing this and they started to reach out to me, like from Chicago, from Tampa, from Zurich, from Lagos, from Kuala Lumpur. They were like, oh, this, this brand sounds great. What you guys are doing is great. Can we, can we do it here on your behalf? And that's how the chapters, I didn't know, by the way, that I wanted to do chapters. All I wanted to do was two or three events on my own in the cities close to DC, you know, Crystal City, DC, New York, maybe Chicago. I didn't know I wanted to do chapters. I didn't even know what a chapter of anything was. Uh, and then all these people started to reach out and then 
we started, you know, making it work, right? So that's that's kind of how we went from zero to one to, you know, to 100. Uh, but the most important thing is that, you know, for anybody is that, be, you know, begin, like kicking kicking something off, it's it's hard and things don't happen overnight. We're still, you know, I mean, we've grown a lot in Hacking HR, but I still feel that our breakthroughs and our best days are ahead of us. So I, I know that what we've done and the, the journey that we have traversed is 0.1% of all that we have to do. That's sobering because, you know, it allows us to celebrate what we've done, but not losing sight of the many more things that we have to build to get to that place where we would love to be in the next, you know, two, three, four, five years. That is how we started. You know, you just, you just have your idea and you just, you just start small and make it happen and see, you know, like see what the reaction is and, you know, fine tune, pivot, move around and, and grow from there. Awesome. And digging into that a little more and kind of reflecting on the journey so far, like in your experience, what would you say are the top elements that make a community flourish? The top elements that make a community flourish. First of all, you got to do it for the right reasons. If what you are trying to do, and this really kind of bothers me, to be honest, that I see companies whose only intent is to sell, creating communities and presenting themselves as a community when all they want is to have a database of people that they can sell to. That truly bothers me because when they do something wrong, they don't screw it up just for them. They screw it up for everybody else as well. Because then imagine being invited to a community event and you go to a community event and all you hear is somebody selling you shit, right? So if that happens, that person will say for the next time, maybe I don't join another community event because I don't want that to happen to me. And in fact, some people have reached out to me saying, I would love to join, but please promise me that nobody's going to be selling me stuff over and over because it happened to me here and there. So we they, they screw it up for the rest of us and we have to pick up the pieces of what they break to make it happen for the people that are truly interested in building communities. So your first, by the way, there's nothing wrong about selling. If that's what you want to do, say it. You know, say, if you come to this meetup, we're, we're going to give you a, a beer for free, but you're going to be sold too. You know, we're going to have five sponsors that we will be trying to sell you something. And there are people who like that. I mean, you will have a great community of people going to your thing because they want to know what's available. They want to be sold to, and they enjoy that. And that's totally fine. Just don't fake it. You know, just don't say that you're something and that's not what you are. You're something else. And then you screw it up for the rest of us. So the first thing that you got to be very clear about is what is it that you are for? What is it that you are? Is it a true community where you want to bring people together to grow together? Is it a place for, for vendors to sell? Is it for you to do lead generation? Be very clear about what is it that you, that you want to do with with that community right so that to me is the key ingredient so that genuineness and authenticity about what your community is about the second thing i would say is you know making sure that you provide enough avenues for people to connect with each other and not only connect with a quote-unquote expert and i mentioned before we bring world-class experts you know thought leaders a class you know speakers to all of our events but we always make sure that everybody has the opportunity to connect not only with those people that we call experts, but also among themselves. And that happens a lot. In fact, sometimes I see, you know, I go to, uh, you know, like I go to LinkedIn and I see like, you know, I mean, Nicole and Katie connecting. And I'm like, 
how do you guys know each other? I mean, like, you, you like, I, I, this connection, like, I didn't know existed. And they were like, oh, yeah, we connected because of Hacking HR. We went to an event together, or we were, you know, speaking together, or we were participating together in the same event, and we were, you know, commenting on something and sharing ideas. And we were like, oh, you know, like, we, we clicked, right? We were like, oh, wow, you're saying something that is interesting. Katie, can I connect with you? You know, Nicole, can I connect with you, right? So make sure that you're providing enough avenues for people to connect with each other and not just, you know, kind of like, you know, one direction, you know, uh, workings, you know, of your community as in experts just sharing uh, knowledge. So I would say genuineness, authenticity, this, this creating these this opportunities for connection and, you know, more, more on a personal level is... You know, creating, building communities is very hard. You know, it's a very hard thing to do. Um, first of all, because there are a million other communities out there and people don't have a million hours a day to join one hour for each community every day. So they have to select what they join. So you, got, you have to make sure that you are creating something that is great, high quality, that makes a difference, solves a problem, has an impact. But simultaneously, you're going to have to be okay with the fact that some people will still choose to go to the other person, you know, to go to the other community. And you will think, oh my gosh, what do they have that I don't have? Their programs are crappy. My programs are great. My events are better. Their events are not good. And they will still go to that other community. So you will have to be very resilient and persistent and committed to your craft and the craft of your community because this, you know, it only gets harder, you know, as you grow you know, if you have 10 members in one com community meeting, you want 20 in the next one. And if 20 comes to come to the next one, then you want 100. And that makes it harder and harder because at the end of the day, you want to impact people. That's what communities, community builders do. Solve problems, help people, impact people. And I, anyway, you know, that patience is, is a, you know, a key component of building communities. So, you know, genuineness, authenticity about what your community is about, you know, making sure that you're providing enough avenues for people to connect with each other, not just with the experts, quote unquote. And, and number three, you know, being patient, you know, and just, just, you know, pushing forward. If you truly believe in what you're doing and that you are making a difference, just pushing forward, you know, that's the, that's the way to go. Yeah. And I'd love to hear about the social learning that's happening within the community. So you've really set the stage for that to happen with peer to peer connections that you just described. So yeah, tell us some details about, the social learning happening in Hacking HR? Yeah. Well, there are, you know, we have our mentoring feature within our own platform, but I think the the one, and by the way, it's it's been very ad hoc. It's not, it, it wasn't done by design, right? And and now it's a little bit more by design with the certificate programs that we're going to be doing, but in an ad hoc, on an, on an ad hoc basis, it happened that whenever we were doing an event, we started encouraging people to connect with each other, to share resources, to share insights and ideas, to ask questions that could help them get an answer, but could help everybody else who had the same question or, and didn't want to ask it, you know, to kind of like get an answer, right? So the way we, we have put forward this idea of social learning through the events that we do is just by encouraging people. To, to, to be present, to connect with each other, to share resources with each other, even if the panel, which more often, you know, more often than not in our events, we do panels and the panels have their own agenda, you know, with a guidelines and questions, and they cannot necessarily look at what people are talking about in the, in, in the comments, but we encourage people in the comments, for example, when we're doing this live, to connect with each other, you know, to, to make sure that they are helping each other. And 
is super interesting, you know, when we do these events, because we do an event, somebody asks a question and literally out of the blue, like, you know, 10 other people are saying, like, oh yeah, you can go here, you can go there. I found this resource amazing. I read this book that was great. So everybody's helping each other. And that to me is beautiful because it's organic. You know, it's, it's very organic. So our social learning has been very organic. Now it's going to be more by design and intentionally in the certificate programs that we're doing because we are including, and again, this is an experiment. We're going to give it a try, but our, our certificate programs, the, the classes will be live. There will be assessment. There will be group, group work. There will be group peer review of other groups works or work. So that's more by design, right? We don't want to leave that just, you know, to sheer, you know, happenstance. You know, we want to make sure that we are building those intentional pieces of, you know, collaborative work and social, social learning. But at the events that we have done so far, it just happened. It just happens organically. That's great. That's sort of the best way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you've mentioned a few different challenges along the way, but are there any others that you'd want to just highlight for people who are learning about building communities themselves, like any lessons learned about creating a global professional community? Maybe just the only one is that it's hard. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy. And yeah, you know, we have all the tools and most of them are free you know, until a certain point, of course, but you know, you can go, you need to create your, you know, your social media assets for something. You go to Canva with a free account or you decided in PowerPoint, I don't know. Every, by the way, we use Canva every day now for everything we do. But I started doing this all on PowerPoint. So, you know, I can go back and show you the 2017, the September 2017 banners for everything that we did on PowerPoint. And it was kind of annoying, but that's what we did. That's what we had available, right? So you have that. You can create a free account on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and start promoting what you're doing. Reaching out to people right now is the easiest thing. And not, not everybody will say yes to your invitations to do something. It's still to, you know, today to us, as well known as we are, so many people either ignore me or say no to my invitations. And that's okay. You know, I just move along and, and go to the next or move forward and, you know, go to the next thing. But people will say no and not because they don't like what you do. It's just because they probably don't know you or maybe, you know, a million other people are inviting them to do something and they have to be more selective about how they use their time. But right now you can just go to LinkedIn and say, who's the experts in social learning? And you go to social learning and you find, well, you know, Nicole and Katie, let me reach out to Nicole and Katie and send them an email and say, Hey, Nicole, Katie, I'm doing this thing. I would love to talk to you about this. You know, do you have, you know, half an hour, you know, within the next whatever, right? So you can do that for free. So, you know, it's, it's, you have the tools available, but it's, it's still not easy because as, as, because the, since the tools are available, everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of the people will try to do the same thing, right? So you're going to be competing for attention. You know, you're going to be competing for with other folks that are equally energized as you are to build a community. So it's not easy, you know, be patient. But again, as I mentioned before, if you believe in what you are trying to do, you know, just, just do it, begin small, you know, celebrate the small, <clears throat> excuse me, the small successes and they just, just take it from there. Amazing. And do you have any favorite moments or success stories that really stand out? Well, a couple of years ago, was it a couple of, yeah, we are in 2024. <laughs> Two years ago, we had, we do a virtual conference every March 
And two years ago, we had our highest amount of people. Last year was a little bit less of people, but I was expecting that just because, you know, we are, a lot of people are kind of like moving, moving on from just participating in virtual events to now going more to in-person events, given that, you know, it seems that we are at the tail end of, of COVID, but we don't know. But in, in 2022, we had 50,000 people registered to our conference and that made us the largest HR event in the world. And again, we don't spend any money sponsoring, sponsored content. You know, we don't bring, you know, Barack Obama to speak at an event. I wish, you know, but we don't have those super big names. You know, we just have a cohort of incredible thought leaders that are on the ground making the magic happen every day. And what they say, they don't just say it because they are asking others in a survey. What do you think is the top priority for HR? Oh, this one. And then they repeat that in a talk as if they knew how to live that in reality, right? We are bringing the people that are telling you my top priority is hiring diverse talent. And how do I know that? Because I need to hire diverse talent in my company. That's a company mandate. And I am living through that every day of my, of my, you know, my tenure as a leader, as an HR leader in this company. So we bring the people that are on the trenches making this magic happen and fighting the battles that HR has to fight, right? So, so that's why we had all this, you know, amazing, kind of attraction for that for that event last year was less people and i'm hoping this year you know we're going to be kind of like 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 on an average of like about twenty thousand registered participants which is still a pretty good number <laughs> amazing so, so that's been a key moment for me you know bringing so many people together to our events and yeah so having the opportunity you know we expanded our team a little bit uh you know with with people doing more content and you know and kind of like helping us grow and think about strategically, you know, how do we create great content and package package that content in a great way. So all of that has been an amazing sort of journey. That is absolutely amazing. And that kind of leads me to my next question too, because you're a thought leader on the future of work. So I'm curious to hear, you know, how does gathering people in communities like Hacking HR help us move forward towards better workplaces and ultimately better world? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, the truth is that the nature of the challenges that we are dealing with right now is incredibly complex to be solved by individuals or individual companies or individual regions or even individual countries. We need to bring people together to solve these complex challenges. You know, I'm talking about, for example, climate change, right? And the implications of climate change, climate diaspora, human migration because of climate change, imagine the impact that that will have and has today in so many, you know, countries and sort of the business landscape in those countries. It's impossible for a single one of those countries or a single one of those companies to say, how are we going to manage the influx of talent coming into this city or this country? Because they are pretty much sort of like climate change migration sort of people, right? So, we have to think about that together. You see the war going on in Ukraine and the war going on between, you know, in Israel and, and Palestine, right? So you think about this level of complexity of some of these challenges that we're dealing with, and they can't be solved alone by individual people, again, by individual companies or individual countries. So bringing people together allows us to tap into the collective intelligence of everybody and say, how do we solve this? right? How do we, how do we have this difficult problem? How do we get it? How do we resolve it? But how do we resolve it in a way 
that not only works for that company or that country, but that works for everybody else, that works for all of us. And to me, bringing people together to have those kinds of conversations is the way to go. It's, it's an unbeatable way to solve complex challenges. That's how we evolved to begin with, you know, because of collaboration and cooperation. So let's just go back to the roots, to the basics and say, we have these complex challenges. You know, how do we resolve them in a way that benefits everybody? And to do that, we got to do it together. Wonderful. Thanks. Nicole, did you have anything to add? Oh, no, I've just enjoyed, you know, Enrique, this isn't the first time we've gotten to chat and I feel so lucky, but if you just listened, I mean, it's, it's only been a little over 30 minutes and there's so many highly practical and applicable things that one can take and start working with. And I just love that because it reflects everything I know about you and how you've run your brand as well, which is really to make it accessible, practical, you know, hands-on and, and not to live in theory and like, you know, the big enterprise, maybe we could do this, but like to really, this is for the people who are getting their hands dirty yeah. in the work and how we can help them. I just love that so much. So I, I, I mean, you know, as we wrap up, I'll, we'll say it a million times, but thank you really. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Like we've learned so much from you already. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It was a, it was a great conversation and, and I'm hoping that people, you know, those who want to create communities, including those communities that will perhaps even compete with Hacking HR, go for it. You know, just send me a message and I will be happy to tell you all that I've learned, even if I know that eventually you're going to be competing with us. Because at the end of the day, when I think about HR, in particular HR, but this is true for all other of expertise, but in HR, there are about, yeah, I think it's something like 10 million people in HR in the world. There are, you know, no single community will ever be able to serve all of those people. Just think about Sherm, for example. And I don't, I don't like talking about them too much because I, I'm not much of a fan of the way they do things. But after 75 years of existence, they only have like 300,000 members. And I say only, yeah, it's a still a big number, but it's not a big number in the biggest scheme of things, you know, when you think about 300,000 members after 75 years in a community of 12 million professionals. And that's why, that's because a lot of other HR people want to find something different. They want a different representation to their voice. They want a different outlet to what they're looking for. And they, you know, they don't fit that. Neither do we, by the way, we, we you know, there, there are people that come to us and they are like, well, you know, you are great or, or you're cool, but you're not exactly what I'm looking for. And that's fine. You know, so that means that there are spaces in this market and in any other market to create something that caters and responds specifically to what these communities are, to what these groups of people are looking for. And all of us will have a different offering. And that's the beauty of it, right? The people have the power of choice at the end of the day, and they can say, well, in Hacking HR, I find this, but in this other group, I find this other thing. So when I need this other thing, I go to that group, and when I need what Hacking HR offers, I go to Hacking HR. So that, to me, is the ultimate kind of uh, inspiration, so to speak, for those who are seeking to create a community, and they're like, well, but there's so much competition. Yeah, well, find what they are not doing and do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And is there anything that I didn't ask before we wrap up that you think is really important for people to know on this topic or about Hacking HR? No, other than if they want to get involved, just go to our website, hackinghr.io. Check it out. We got a lot of good stuff in there. Reach out to me, you know, particularly via LinkedIn or via email, enrique at hackinghr.io. Let me know if there's anything that we can do for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm here and, you know, our team is here and the community is here. So, yeah, that's that. Thank you for, thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. So, yeah, on behalf of our, you know, team here at Your Instructional Designer, we just want to thank you once again for being part of the pod class today. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate okay. it.
We hope you're feeling as inspired as we are to take these ideas and create communities where people can share, learn, and innovate together. Here's a quick recap of the keys to effective community building. Ensure the community provides value for those who join. Be transparent about the intent and purpose of the community. Make the community accessible. Encourage collaboration, cooperation, and connection among members. For example, through social learning elements like events, peer-to-peer connections, and resource sharing. Identify one doable step to take to begin building the community and celebrate small successes along the way. Have a marketing plan in place to spread the word about the community. Embrace the reality that growing and sustaining a community takes resilience and patience. And put feedback mechanisms in place to help the community evolve. Now it's your turn. For your experiment, you'll brainstorm ways to grow an existing community or start one from scratch, thinking about how you can adapt the essential elements discussed in today's episode to your context. You can find the full experiment brief in the show notes or the Social Learning Lab community on Facebook. In other words, you can think about community in community. Share your ideas, get feedback and insights from peers, and comment on others' ideas. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, like, subscribe, or share so we can continue to build a supportive group of social learning enthusiasts. Until next time, keep making learning that matters.